Sing it with us, come on. You're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down. Sing it. You're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down. 
Bless you and welcome to Rise Up episode number 186. God is the king of my heart and he's never, ever, ever going to let me down. How incredible of a song is that? How truthful is all of that? He can't let you down if you're his child because he can't lie. And he's already promised you a multitude of things. If you are a child of God who accepts the word of our sovereign Lord and believes that his son, Jesus Christ, died on the cross for our sins and rose on the third day and is now preparing a place for us to rest. He's the king of my heart and he's never let me down. As a matter of fact, I have let him down Many, many times. As a matter of fact, I let him down daily. And it breaks my heart. Which makes me want to be better the next day. Which in turn is the exact definition of a Christian. Not the definition that a non-believer or an agnostic or an atheist or whatever... Not, not the definition that they think a Christian is, but what I just said is the actual definition of a Christian. So if that is you, praise God today. Give him all the glory that you can muster because he's given you grace and mercy. And it's a wonderful thing. Folks, we are on episode number 186 of Rise Up. 14 episodes away from 200 already. Onward to a thousand Christian soldiers. I titled today's show, You Do Not Belong to You. So if you don't belong to you, well then who do you belong to? Well, before we answer the who do you belong to question, let's address 
Oh, that's great, Kittenhead. Jeremy, can you imagine how bored God would be if we were perfect? LOL. That's a great, great saying. Let's get back to the you don't belong to you. You didn't create yourself. You didn't make yourself. Let's get to the description of the video. Today we'll discuss how you do not belong to you. You are of no ownership except for one thing, your decision on who you belong to. It's a sobering realization that needs to be discussed and understood. You either belong to God or you belong to this world. You either belong to God or you belong to this world. You didn't create yourself. You didn't make yourself. You did not create your own soul and you did not give your soul to you. You did not give yourself breath in your lungs. God gave you all that. So rightfully, you belong to him. Righteously, you belong to him. But God did something incredible. What did he do? He gave you the choice to decide who you're going to belong to. He didn't have to do that. He created you. He also created the one you belonged to for so long before you found Jesus. And yet he still gives you the option to decide who you are ultimately going to belong to. He gives you that choice. And you have to decide, do I belong to God or do I belong to this world and by default belong to Satan? It's that simple. I was very excited yesterday when I found out my wife spent the good portion of the afternoon evangelizing to somebody who doesn't see how secular movies and music are wrong for her child, but calls herself a Christian. Doesn't see how it's a problem to let her child go to a Taylor Swift or a Beyonce concert because they don't see that as influencing their child in any way outside of God. And my wife very graciously evangelized to this woman for hours yesterday, and I was so excited to hear that. My wife out there not doesn't have a show, doesn't have a podcast, yet she's out there spreading the gospel and evangelizing the grassroots way. And I just felt so inspired by that yesterday, especially after the conversation that I told you about my wife and I and my weekend. So I'm very, very happy that my wife is a strong Christian soldier. Before we get into the verse of the day today and a surprise for you today, let's please go to the Lord in prayer in Jesus name right now. And ask him to bless this podcast, bless this show, and anoint me for the duration of this show as an ambassador of his word. So I don't get it wrong. Because the last thing on earth that I want to do is lead anybody astray on my journey to Jesus. Father God in heaven, Father of lights, creator of all. 
My whole life, I desperately wanted to belong. My whole life, I desperately wanted to be loved and embraced. I didn't get that until 2016. Better late than never, I guess. But in 2016, I felt something that I've longed for for 36 years, and that was to belong to somebody. I never felt I belonged to my parents. I never felt like I belonged in or to this world either. I was literally a lost Roaming soul. Putting myself on a pedestal. Luciferian thoughts. But in 2016, when Jesus brought me into his bosom for the first time, I felt a sense of belonging that I'd looked for for 36 years and finally found. Lord, I pray that if there's any soul out there watching or listening to this live or the recorded version later on, that if they don't feel like they belong, to give it all to you today and belong to the most precious. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Victoria said, Jeremy, that is how I felt my entire life. no worse feeling than feeling like you don't belong to or with somebody. Victoria then goes on to say, now I have all of you and finally feel like I have a place where I am, where I am loved for me. I've not seen half of you and I've not met Half of you. But I love you in ways that I never thought I could love somebody I didn't know. And today we can all give all glory to God and feel so incredibly joyful and peaceful at heart. That God promises us that if we choose him, we will have a sense of belonging that we've never even imagined could be real. Again, if we choose him. Because even though God created you and the one that is in opposition to him and his word, he still allows you to belong to him if you so choose. Wow. God's put a lot of trust in you. He's put a lot of trust in you to give you that authority over something that already belongs to him. Can you imagine giving your child today the authority to give away your car? Son, I'm, daughter, I'm going to give you all the authority in the world over our home and our car. Now, you can keep it where it belongs to its rightful owner and follow the rules of the home and the rules of the car or you can go out there and give it away. It's up to you. And your child goes out there and gives away your home and your, chi- and your car. That's what we've done to God. But even worse. That's the best analogy I could come up with. 
You're not supposed to be... On earth, you can't give away what doesn't belong to you. Right? On earth, I can't go give away Victoria's car. I can't go give away Shane's house. It doesn't belong to me. I can't go and give away, you know, somebody's watch or somebody's kid. It doesn't belong to me. So... The fact that God allows us to give away something that doesn't belong to us, that's ultimate trust. God puts just as much trust in us as we put faith in him. Talk about beloved. Talk about a love that doesn't even exist on this earth. But we talked about chosen ones yesterday, right? We didn't choose him, he chose us. But he gives us the freedom to choose him now. Think about that. We didn't choose to be born. We didn't choose to have a soul. We didn't choose to have a fleshly body. God chose us. But then turns around after we're born and gives us the choice to choose him back. Starting to get deep. So from chosen ones to you don't belong to you. They are connected. God chose you before you were even formed in your mother's womb. And now he just asks you to reciprocate and gives you the trust to do it. That's incredible. That's love. Let's reciprocate today. I'm going to drink a cup of, uh, a sip of my coffee here real quick. By the way, we're running really, really low on Rise Up Coffee. We're going to try to get some more done. But if you are low on your Rise Up Coffee, I suggest ordering it right now because it might be a while between orders because we were, we didn't really didn't have the money to get any more done. Uh, so sometimes we got to wait. Sometimes we don't get it flawlessly before we run out. So if you'd like yours, get it now. Let's go to the verse of the day. Verse of the day today. It's a pretty powerful verse. And if you follow the newsletter, then you would have gotten something that says you don't belong to you from Jeremy Harrell. I said, today I'd like to humble each other under the word of God and make it known that you don't belong to you. You either belong to God or you belong to this world. So if you've got your Bibles handy, please turn to Acts in the New Testament 20, 22 through 24. Again, that is Acts 20. And once you get to Acts chapter 20, we're going to go to 20 through 24. And see now, I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem. This is Paul writing this or saying this. Not knowing the things that will happen to me there. 
except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. Now, let's stop right there. What is Paul saying here? Paul is saying, now I'm heading to Jerusalem. Knowing what's going to happen to me when I get there, I'm still going. The Holy Spirit has testified in every city that I've gone to through me. And the Holy Spirit is also testifying through me and telling me what awaits me when I get to Jerusalem. Chains and tribulation. So just like Jesus, knowing that going into the city that day was going to cause the fulfillment of his journey, knowing what awaited him, he still went because it had to be done because God instructed him to. Well, Paul knew it was going to await him as well, but it must be done because the Holy Spirit and God instructed him to. But then he goes on to say this, which I think is the most riveting portion of the verse. And by the way, ladies and gentlemen, if you've not done so yet, can you please give this video a thumbs up? And also, if you've not done so yet, if you can't, maybe you don't have a Rumble profile and you decided you're not going to get one, but you're still watching, can you please share the video for us? I'd appreciate that. And I I know God would as well. Then he goes on in verse 24 to say this, but none of these things move me. Nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. So basically saying, I know what's going to befall me once I get there, but my life does not belong to me. My life is much more holier than that because it belongs to God. And I'm going to go spread the gospel just as he has instructed me to, no matter what I know awaits me. That's faith. That's obedience. Do all of us have that kind of a a faith? Do all of us have that kind of obedience? And then I wrote this. Faith. It's such a strong word that it can be used to describe absolute trust in God. Faith does not exist when talking about another person. It is impossible to have faith in anyone but God and his son and the Holy Spirit. For someone to go from Saul to Paul, that takes massive faith. However, Paul also had the physical proof of being met by Jesus on the road to Damascus and also the physical proof of going blind temporarily and also being healed by Jesus and his mercy. From that moment on, Paul belonged to the Father of Lights. He realized that his life does not and has never belonged to him. He was once a slave to the world And the devil, killing Christians. And he was transformed to a child of the Almighty God. 
He spent the rest of his days teaching this to others. Now, this may be the most important lesson taught to you. You do not belong to you. You didn't create yourself. You didn't pave the way for yourself. And your soul wasn't given and your soul was given to you by God, not yourself. Don't make the same mistake that Adam made by giving all to Satan. Not only did Adam and Eve give their life to Satan in the Garden of Eden, they also gave the entire planet to Satan, the world to Satan, because it was given to them by God. They chose to pass it on. You may not belong to you, but God did give you the power to decide who will eventually take ownership of you. What a choice. Make the right one today. Make the right one today and willingly give yourself over to God who showed you and your ancestors mercy and grace. In Jesus' name, amen. What a decision that God has given to you to ultimately make for yourself. Incredible. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it's video time. So let me grab my headphones. This would be a good time for you to like and share if you've not done so yet. Amanda says, I can only imagine how right the world would be when we return to our father's house. I know. CQ says, I pray for my family to choose God. They are believers, but not saved. Plenty of those out there. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you, right? But I also took a screenshot of something that CQ wrote about belonging to God. Psalm 103. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. God's power in creation. And there are many, many, many verses in the Bible just like it that says that we are gods. But we are given a choice. But rightfully and righteously, we do belong to him. He has the paperwork on us. He has the pink slip. He has the title. Are you going to let Satan steal it from him? That's the question. Now, as we're talking about sheep and goats and flocks and gods and who belongs to whom, here's a great video for you today. Roll it. Isaiah 41, 23, show the things that are to come hereafter that we may know that you are gods. According to scripture, the true test of religion is found in prophecy. Foretelling reveals divinity. Now brace yourself. Outside the Bible, there's not a single accurate prophecy in any other sacred religious writing. True. Now that's either true or false, and you should find out. It's true. More than 25% of the Bible details events which had not happened when they were written. True. Thousands upon thousands of specific and accurate predictions. This fact is why I'm a believer. The proof was in the prophecy. 
Just on the day Jesus died, there were more than 30 prophecies. How he would die, what the soldiers would do with his clothes, what the people watching would say, what they would offer him to drink, who would die with him, where he would be buried, and more. Prophecy so clear that it required critics to discount them as being written after the fact. Until 1947, in Qumran, Israel, a shepherd boy threw a rock at a goat and destroyed their arguments. Because his rock missed the goat, flew into a cave, and shattered a clay pot, leading to the discovery of tens of thousands of scrolls and fragments of ancient scripture, many of them predating Jesus by hundreds of years, and proving that the prophecies written about the Messiah and fulfilled by Jesus were written before he was born. Facts. Like Psalm 22 and Isaiah 53, foretold so that we would believe in his son, because when skepticism was at its peak, he lovingly sent a shepherd boy and a goat to help us. Isaiah... Sometimes God doesn't just send humans to do his will. He sent a goat on that day and found all the scriptures, the scrolls. Now, a bunch of you asked in the chat, how can you be a believer and not be saved? The lady that my wife was talking to yesterday said she was a believer, but she was not saved. You can believe that God is real and you can believe that he had a son named Jesus who died on the cross. You can believe in the historical facts of that, but if you don't believe it in spirit, you're not saved. I know that sounds weird, but you can believe in flesh and be not saved because you must believe in spirit in order to be saved. You can't believe in God and believe in Jesus, know they're real, know the Bible, believe the Bible's real, and then play the hypocrite your entire life. How many Christians will be turned away from Jesus on that day? How many of you out there are not producing fruit? God chick just got the statement of the day. Even the de devil believes in God. Demons believe in God, but they're not saved. Just because you believe something is real and exists physically, tangibly, doesn't mean that you believe in the spirit. I hope that makes sense. I hope that makes sense. Now, I've got a treat for you today. I've got a surprise for you today. But you're going to have to wait three more minutes because I've got something to read. Please share and like. One Minute Prayer for Dads, page 36. One Minute Prayer for Dads, page 36. Second Peter 3.18, Growing in Grace. Grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Again, another way that you can go from belief to saved. Growing in grace. Page 36. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. It is our privilege as Christians to know our God. You know what you can't ask God if you just believe in him but you're not saved? You cannot ask him, what would Jesus do? You'll never get the answer. You'll never get the answer to any of your prayers if you're a believer but not saved.
We know him through the revelation of the Bible, prayer, and the teachings of the church. That's why the church will be judged first when Jesus comes back. And God have mercy on the souls of everyone who runs these churches today. Every Christian then should be a growing Christian, not a completed Christian. That's not possible. You're always growing until you die. The only complete is Jesus. That's why we need him. So by, by, by his grace and his mercy, he kind of makes us complete, but we can never be complete on our own. The same thing holds true for dads. Every dad, as he grows in the Lord, should also grow as a dad. That is the irony of fatherhood. By the time we're experts at it, the kids have flown the nest. Even so, God is with us as we grow, providing just as we need to grow as Christians and as dads. God, thank you for calling me to be a father, then sending the exact children that I should parent and equipping me for the parental assignment. When I don't know what to do as a dad, I know to turn to you and your word for good counsel. As I parent my kids day by day, I pray I will grow in the knowledge of you and that my kids will do likewise. Set our family on a course that is your perfect will for us. Bring us to the maturity through circumstances that we face. No matter what those circumstances are, we will give you glory both now and forever. Growing in grace. Now the treat, the surprise today is that Ray Comfort's put out multiple videos in the past week. Usually it's one, maybe two a week if we're lucky. Hold on a minute. We got a question. Jeremy, do you believe you can be saved but not belong to a church? Thief on the cross. Yes. You can be saved and not belong to a church. However, by being in a church, a good church, a Bible-based church, you'll grow in grace so much further and faster because you'll be around other people to fellowship with, and that's what God wants. So yes, you can be saved without being part of a church, but it benefits you to be part of a good Bible-based church as a Christian to grow in your Christianity. Just like it benefits us here. Just like we're right here. We're all benefiting from fellowship. Imagine Rise Up didn't exist. You can benefit from fellowship. That's what God wants. Fellowship is important. So important. But yes, you can be saved. Now. Kristen, how do we know the difference between believing and believing and being saved in the spirit? If you do not experience the promises that God gives to you through salvation, joy, not happiness, peace in your heart through God's word, you just know. And if you think you know and other Christians are explaining joy and peace and salvation and grace and mercy and you don't understand what they're talking about, then maybe you're not. You see, we all have our own personal journeys with Jesus. And you have to have this inner joy and peace with the Holy Spirit that you've never experienced on earth. 
And you have to be able to know that you are communicating with God. And we talked about how to do that the other day. Prayer and reading the Word of God. If you stay in prayer and stay reading the Word of God and you feel inner joy that you've never felt, inner peace that you've never felt, and you, are, and you know you are in communication with God because He's speaking to you through the Holy Spirit, then you are saved. But again, everybody has their own journey with Jesus. I can only explain to you what I know. It's okay. Questions are great. Sometimes I don't know the answer to questions. So you know what I do? I say, what would Jesus do? Something that a person not saved, they can't do that. So anyway, long story short, we get two Ray Comfort videos this week. We get today and we get Friday. And by the way, keep the questions coming. I love to be put to the test to see how much I actually laid on the Holy Spirit for answers. Ladies and gentlemen, Ray Comfort. Militant atheist. I, I apologize. <laughs> Can I give you a book for him? You think there's life after death? No, I don't. Now, why do you think like that? Well, because we've evolved over millions of years and, you know, we're just organisms that uh, have a period of time on this planet and then we die. So you're a believer in no, evolution? No proof of I that. I certainly am. Could you give me scientific evidence for Darwinian evolution, not adaptation, but Darwinian evolution? Uh, you and me standing here. But well, that's not evidence. Yeah, of course it is. Why? Well, because you know, the planet, you know, several billion years ago... How do you know that? Had, well, because of fossil evidence. You believe the fossil evidence? I do. So it's a blind faith? No, it's not a blind faith. It's actual fact. It's not superstition or anything. It's, it's not true, actually. absolute fact. It's not. It doesn't pass the scientific test. You can't... You can't no, you can't test it. Does. You can't yes, test can. evolution. You can go back and see the fossil evidence and see how animals and creatures have evolved. Are you an atheist? Absolutely. God, I mean, it's just nonsense. It's okay. just people are wasting their lives, you know, pre preaching and uh, going to church and that. You know, just enjoy life. Can I check something? Yeah. You're not going to run off on me, are you? Because I, I like interviewing you. You sound very <laughs> intelligent and very eloquent, and I don't want you to run off. Will you stay with me? There are two things that I've found after witnessing to a lot of atheists. The first is that most atheists don't have the courage of their convictions. When it gets uncomfortable, they run away, it gets too hot in the kitchen. And I felt this was going to happen with this man because he was leaning slightly forward. And the second thing is that when they're given undeniable evidence of the Creator, instead of conceding, they immediately move the goalposts by asking, who made God? Here's Richard Dawkins and friends a number of years ago being asked an embarrassing question. Is there any evidence you've been given that stumped you? And Dawkins points to the fact that everything created shows design and order. I have a question for the three of you. Is there any argument for faith, any challenge to your atheism that has given you pause, that has sent you back on your heels where you felt your you didn't have a ready answer, etc. I actually, I actually can't think of any. I mean, I think the closest yeah, is yeah. Uh, is the idea that the uh, the fundamental constants of the universe are too good to be true. That's Richard Dawkins. It certainly doesn't in any way suggest to me a creative intelligence because you're still left with the problem of explaining where that came from. No, you're not. If I use logic to establish every painting had a painter. You don't get rid of that logic by saying, oh, but where did the painter come from? They're very predictable, 
and disingenuous. Watch what happens. Answer me this. As an atheist, do you really believe the scientific impossibility that nothing created everything? I'm not saying there was nothing in the beginning, but an atheist believes that nothing was the prime mover that gave us flowers and birds and trees and seasons and puppies and kittens and male and female and all the species. But, but then if, there were alternatives if you believe a god. Where did a god come from? But then if, there were alternatives if you believe a god. Where did a god come from? No, god no, no, god no, no, must no, no. have come from somewhere. I'll answer your question in a minute. You, you, you answer mine. You answer mine yeah, first. Well, actually, it's, it's quite complicated because it is nothing, but then there's matter and antimatter. No, if that's you not nothing. Yeah, if you put them together, it's nothing. Put them together, it's nothing. Let's just stop for a moment and think about what he has just said. He said if you put them together, it's nothing. It's intellectually embarrassing to have to even think about this, yep. but if you have them, you have something, That's right. not nothing. No wonder the father of science, Sir Isaac Newton, said atheism is so senseless. If you break them apart, there's something. No, no. No, no, no. I happen to know that when you've got matter, it's not nothing. Do you think so, you're a good person morally? Absolutely. How many lies have you told in your life? Uh, very, very few. Have you ever stolen something, even if it's small? No. I can't believe you, because yeah. you just, just told me you're a liar. <laughs> have, you ever used, have you ever used God's name in vain? Definitely. Why would you do that? Well, because we all do it, because it's part of the lingo. But why? Would you ever use your mother's name as a cuss word in place of SH? Would you do that? Um, I don't think I've done that, but no, I might. You wouldn't. It'd be I a might. horrible thing to do. Because yeah. you honour your mother, but you don't honour the God that gave you a mother and gave you life. But I don't believe in a God. I mean, it's quite, it's fine. I know. That's why I'm talking to you. Yeah, You're called yeah. an unbeliever. Yeah. That's why I love talking to you. Yeah. One to go and appreciate your honesty. Jesus said, if you look at a woman and lust for her, you commit adultery with her in your heart. Have you ever looked at a woman with lust? I'm sure I have. You had sex before marriage? <laughs> yes. So, Mike, here's a quick summation. You've just told me you're a lying, thieving, blasphemous, fornicating adulterer at heart. And he's laughing. And you have to face God on Judgment Day. Uh, I'm not worried one bit. I actually think hell might be a more interesting place to be. It might have some more interesting wow. characters. And anyway, what am I going to do in heaven? What am I going to do? Sit there for kind of infinity? There's no pleasure in hell. All pleasure comes from God. And the Bible promises when God's kingdom comes to this earth, when we inherit the earth and the curse is taken off, with no earthquakes, floods, diseases, famines, pains, tsunamis, suffering and death, where we're given new bodies like Jesus had when he rose from the dead that never get sick or diseased or age, then we're going to have pleasure forevermore. That's all right, I want to stop right there. We'll go back. We'll go right back where we just left off. I want to stop right there. First of all, the guy's answer was embarrassing, talking about two somethings coming together and they equal nothing. What an embarrassing argument to have if you're arguing on the side of evolution, which, by the way, there's no proof of. Fossil fuel stuff, I mean, fossil uh, records, no proof. Um, um, uh, what's the other... Um, um, Petrified wood, they say it takes, you know, thousands of years for something to be petrified. Uh, we can show, well, I can prove to you that something can be petrified in a matter of minutes by having a lot of something over a little period of time rather than a little of something over a long period of time. So there's no proof of evidence whatsoever. I mean, no proof of evolution whatsoever. Yet we teach every child in school ev uh, evolution, even though there's no proof of it. No proof of it. Now, never mind the fact that Bible prophecy has been fulfilled thousands of times and is the only religion that can claim that. And there's an answer for every question that they have 
but they can't answer every question that we have. They couldn't even answer half. So at least why not teach both in school and let somebody use critical thinking? Well, because they have an agenda. Just like there was no proof that coronavirus was killing people or that the vaccine worked, but yet they made people believe that COVID was real and to take this vaccine, it's going to work. It didn't work and it's all garbage and it's all lies. Let's go back to the video. Then we're going to have pleasure forevermore. That's what the Bible teaches. In fact, 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9 tells us, that there's nothing we see in creation that's anywhere near as incredible as what God has got in store for those that love him. I'm not interested in that. Anyway, I think you've had my two or three minutes. Give me one more minute, okay? One more question, go on. There is no God, right? It's all a waste of time. You should be much better, you know, surfing or something like that. You know, messing around with just superstitious nonsense. Okay, could you give me one minute? No, I'm done. Really? Go on, one more question. Have you heard of Jesus dying on the cross? Look, I went to a Catholic primary school. They were oh. utterly evil, the people there. I don't so doubt don't it. don't give me any nonsense I don't doubt about it. good people and God and all of that. You know, you'd be much better to forget about God, enjoy life, be a good person, and end of story. Okay. Really good to see you. Nice to meet you. Yeah, good to meet thanks, you. Thanks for your patience yeah. with me. I really appreciate it. No, it's okay. It's fine. Yeah, you know what they are? What are they? In and out cards. It's the best burgers in California. You'll love them. Oh, They're really thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. My husband's a militant atheist. I, I apologize. On his... Can I give you a book for him that he might enjoy? No, Can I show you on camera? Uh, yes. Um, no, 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 Mike, it's called Scientific Facts in the Bible. You'll enjoy it. Let me give it to you, okay? Yeah. Oh, I see. Oh, fine. I wrote that book. Oh, did you? Yeah, you might well, like to read it to him when yeah. he's tied down. <laughs> Yeah, no, um, yeah, no, I do. I'm much more of a believer than my well, husband. I, I, Mike doesn't realize I this, do but... I pray on a regular basis. I pray for him as well. Yeah, well we <laughs> will too. So. A lot of people will be praying for you. And Mike, you don't realize this, but I love you, I care about you, and I want to see you in heaven, not in hell. You know, I care about you. You seem a nice guy, but I just honestly, spend your time enjoying life. Work hard, yeah. play he hard. He is enjoying enjoy his life. life. Don't worry about religion, yeah, it's nonsense. Yeah, it's very kind of you. I, I pray for him privately. Yeah. So Well, we will uh, too. I, yeah, I appreciate that. Maybe just something you've said now might sort of resonate in his subconscious that one day he sort of sees that, you know, his views are open to questioning. Yes, well, I gave yeah. him some, something to think about. I think you did. Yeah. I think you did. And that's really nice what you guys are doing here because I think faith is really important because... It helps us feel, I don't know, like there's meaning in life, have a sense of stability. Have, and a have sense, hope in your death. And have hope, well, in death, but also day to day, I think. I think believing in God gives us a sense of security and safety that there's someone looking after us, keeping an eye on us. Um, Do you ever read the Bible? I don't. Um, I haven't read the Bible, but I, I have been, I do go to church because... Um, my my stepmother was Catholic, and I went to church with her, and I still continue to go to church. Well, but I, I will read, read this. Read the Gospel of John. All right, I just want to stop this real quick, uh, real quick. <clears throat> I do believe, but I don't read the Bible. I've never read the Bible, but I go to church. That is somebody. Somebody asked earlier, how can you believe and not be saved? Right there, that poor woman is not saved. She believes, but she's not saved. Her husband clearly isn't saved. 
But I want to also go back to the, th- to the fact that everybody that is not a believer on this earth seems to think that Christianity is Catholicism. And Catholicism is Christianity, and that's it. And I never understood why. Probably because the Catholic Church is the biggest. So they just automatically think, you Catholics. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, 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 whoa. First of all, I'm Protestant. Second of all, why are you lumping Christians all together and saying, the Catholic Church has done this for so long and it's so wrong? Yeah. So has the Baptist Church and the Methodist Church and the Presbyterian Church and the Pentecostal churches. Men are flawed. They make a building, they call it church, and they do flawed things. So what? But why does everybody think that Catholicism and Christianity are the one, the end-all, be-all for Christianity. I never, it's just odd to me. It's just really odd. Maybe it's because I didn't grow up Catholic, didn't go to Catholic school, had nothing to do with the Catholic Church. I don't know. But it's just odd to me how everybody thinks that. You ever notice that? Back to the video. My stepmother was Catholic, and I went to church with her, and I still continue to go to church. Well, but I will read, read this. Read the Gospel of John. What's your name? Uh, Connie. Connie, let me give you a let me give you a Gospel of John. Okay. You know what a Gospel of John is? Um, yes, I think so. I do. Yeah. Okay. Right. It's a very unusual one. Oh wow! It looks like... <laughs> Open it up. That is unusual. Yes. Connie. Yeah. Let me just share something with you to see if it stirs up your interest. Did you know in the Old Testament God promised He would destroy death? And in the New Testament, we're told Harry did it. Did you know that? No, no. Have you ever heard the gospel? Well, I, I haven't heard it, but obviously I know of it, yeah. Well, let me share it with you for one minute. You got one minute or not? Well, I better go, but I, I promise I will have a look at these. And, oh, please and, do. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's off. Yeah. Take the time to read it. Because we're um, obviously tourists here and we've got a program for the rest of And let me give you something else. It's our YouTube channel. It's got 259 million views. Oh, wow. And and you might like to watch it. You'll enjoy it. Okay. Nice to meet you, Connie. Thank you. Likewise. Thank you, guys. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Real quick, here is... And there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Mike did not want to hear that, but his wife certainly was trying to hear the word. Um, and by the way, uh, I don't even like labeling myself as a Protestant. I told that to my wife, even though, I mean, technically we are, I don't like labels of any sorts. I don't want to be a Protestant. I don't want to be a Catholic. I don't want to be a Baptist, a Lutheran, a Presbyterian, a a Pentecost. I just want to be a child of God. That's all. Can I just be that? Can I just be a follower of Christ? Now, the actual definition of a Protestant is really, if you get down to it, it was a section of people who broke off from the Catholic Church that said, no, we don't need all of this. Jesus says we can have a personal relationship with him, one-on-one. We don't need a mediator. We don't need anybody in between. We don't need anybody, anybody telling us we're doing wrong or right. We need God. We need to lean on Jesus, and I want a personal relationship with Jesus. That is the definition of a Protestant. So I guess by definition... Here on earth, I would be a Protestant, but I don't even want to be called that. I'm a Christian who follows Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the Son of Man, the Son of God, who died on the cross for our sins, rose on the third day, and is preparing a place for me and my brothers and sisters in heaven. Boom, bang, done. Don't call me anything else, because I am not. I am not. 
No, wrong, T. Mitchell. I'm not a Baptist. I do not belong to the church. She says, uh, you're, you're, T. Mitchell says, you're a Baptist, Jeremy. You belong to that church, and that's how it's labeled, and it's been divides, not unites. No, I'm not a part of the church, actually. I'm not a member of my church. Nope. I refuse to be a member of a church. Me being there is being a member of that body of that church for that time being. And then if I go to another church, I go to another church. And if I go to another church after that, I go to another church after that. I do not belong to any church. And now I'd like to go and I would like to read Living in Peace. Romans 12, 18. Living in Peace. If possible, as far as it depends on you, Live at peace with everyone. Before Paul's conversion, he was a real up-and-comer among the religious elites. Hold on. Jeremy, what church were you baptized into? Well, I actually haven't been. Not really. I guess we're going to spend the rest of the time talking about this because I think this is important as well. Um, My family and I started going to the um, first congregational church, which is a woke, hugely woke, rainbow, uh, LGBT-loving church. But after we realized, when we started getting our personal relationship with Jesus, we left that church immediately because it was so woke and, and ridiculous. But when we were there for our first month, they baptized us by basically putting, you know, throwing water in our face. And I did not feel. Pop, hey, Eli, we got a troll in there, but leave him in there. Jeremy isn't a follower of Christ, a Christian. Oh, wait, no, that's not. No, hold on. Jeremy isn't a follower of Christ, a Christian. No. No. Well, they might call themselves a Christian, but we're talking if we're talking saved or not saved, that's a whole different conversation. I'm not sure what you're really asking here. Um, no, we were there for like, I don't know, a month and said, hey, we should get baptized because at that point we thought you had to get baptized to be Christians. We didn't know all of this. And they basically said, blah, 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 dipped their fingers in water and flicked it in my eyes and got it in my eyeball. So no, I've not been baptized yet. Not, but I've not been baptized in the, in, in, in the light of the Lord. I've not been baptized, so I still have to do that. I guess God will tell me when the right time is. Need to be immersed in water. Well, that's what Baptists believe. That's what Baptists believe. But since Christ was emerged in water, I will be emerged in water. Terry Lynn says you need to be baptized. Untrue. You don't. I do personally because I want to be. But no, you don't need to be baptized. The church, uh, the thief on the cross was not. Kat says, I just got baptized in our lake. It was extremely emotional. That's, I, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for the right moment. And maybe I'll do it with my mom. Maybe I'll do it with my mom. Uh, you must be saved to go to heaven. Amen. Jeremy, you can actually baptize yourself. Yeah, I, I, I don't want to do that, but I've heard that. Baptism is not required for salvation. Amen. You are right. I was dunked in the Jordan, said Sigplate. Wow. That's incredible. That's incredible. 
Come down to Pastor Greg's church and let him be. I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind being baptized by him, but I guess God will tell me whom and when that's supposed to happen. I just thought, you know, we'd spend the rest of the time answering questions and stuff. Um, the thief did not need baptized, but we do. Untrue. Not physically baptized on earth. You don't need to be. Baptized in the word of God. I'm baptized in the living waters. I'm baptized in Jesus. I don't need to do it to, be, to go to heaven. Jeremy, get baptized in a flowing river. I, I intend to. I actually intend to do whatever God says to do it. Whenever and wherever God says. Terry Lynn, not untrue. Very untrue. Very untrue. Tell me in the Bible where it says you need to be baptized to go to heaven. Now, Jesus says that, you know, Jesus went to be baptized. Jesus didn't need to be baptized. He did it for a um, basically do as I do moment. If I'm going to have people do it, then I'm going to do it. But he didn't need to be. Teapots, I disagree with uh, on baptism with you, Jeremy. Good. You should uh, read the Bible. Because the Bible does not say that we have to be. Um, I disagree. The thief on the cross is our promise that God knows our heart. It's not up to us. We all fall short of the glory of God. We sure do. Book of Acts talks about being baptized. Sure does. So do other books. Baptism of the Spirit. That's right. I'm baptized in the Spirit. Jeremy, God will show you when and where. Amen. That's exactly what I'm waiting on, actually. Yeah, this is a this is a great topic. And Terry, I'm gr- I'm glad. To, I I mean no disrespect. I'm glad we're talking about this. This is you know what this should be because the show is over now. This should be uh, talked about in length some more. So let's talk about baptism. So what's the point of baptism then? It's a public profession to the world. It's to profess your love publicly to the world. It's basically a symbolism. It's an act of symbolism. And it's a further it's a further commitment of you to God but not needed. That's why. That's why we do it. It's an act of symbolism. It's not wrong. We all should, but not needed. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, that is going to do it for Rise Up, episode number 186. God bless you for being here. Great conversations. We'll talk more about baptism, maybe on tomorrow's show. Let's do that. Maybe I'll even bring on a guest to talk about it. Sean Ferris comes up next, guys. God bless you. Thank you very much. Sing it again. You'll have the key.